May 4th, 2022. This morning's class is donated by Norma and Charles Shehebar in honor of their new daughter. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin, Andaf Samech Vav Amud Aleph, if you count from the top. It's 16 lines down. It's the third word on the line. It says, Tanura Banan. If you recall, what we're dealing with, what the Mishnah dealt with, is Kilelat Avivi Imo. The Torah prohibits and gives a severe punishment of Sekilah. If a person were to curse either one of his or her parents. And the Gemara in turn is going to elaborate and explain many of those details with regards to this Isur and punishment from the Torah. Tanura Banan, of course, is a Biraita. Ish, the Pasuk, and I'll read it to you very briefly, it's from this week's parasha. I should have mentioned. Much of what we've been learning the past couple of days, maybe even weeks, is in this week's parashah. It's in parashat Kedoshim. You have this right here. It says the pasuk, Ki ish ish ashe yikalel et aviv et imo, mot yumat, aviv imo kilel damav bo. So if you already listened carefully, there's initially this ish ish, a double mention of not only ish, person, but ish ish, any person, or man, or any any person. And then it mentions initially, to curse your parents. And then the end of the Pasuk, and we like to, and we're very keen on doing so in the Gemara, pay attention to every word in the Pasuk, it seems to be redundant because it repeats again at the end, so it says, if you were to do so, and then it says, you get put to death, and it says, you cursed your parents. Of course, that redundancy, that repetition will be something we'll pick up on. But the initial part we're going to pick up on, even before that, is the ish, the mention the pasuk of a man. If we were to just say man, ish, the understanding of the Gemara, of the Beraita will be, this is a prohibition for some reason, only to men. Says the Gemara again, Beraita, Tanura Banan, quote unquote, Ish, the Pasuk talks about man. And you don't find that all the time in the Torah. The Torah doesn't say, Ish uh, and so forth. It just tells us to do so. Ish, Matamud Lomar. Why is it that the Pasuk specifies uh, this uh, man? Tamud Lomar, and in other words, what the Beraita is really insinuating is it sounds like only men. Is it possible? Only men have the prohibition and the punishment of punishing, of, of uh, uh, cursing your parents. Tamud Lomar, Ish, Ish. Now, that's why the Pasuk repeats it in a redundant, almost redundant way. Lerabot, it comes to include Bat, a woman who's the daughter of parents. Tumtum, Tumtum is an individual who has covered up and it's not clear or they don't have an organ, which means to say they're neither male nor female, so to speak. No, not androgynous, yes, it's the next one. Tumtum is the one uh, we don't know what they are. It's not that they have both, it's either that they're covered up or they just have no organ in some biological mishap, and androgynous is an androgynous, and that's a person who has both male and female organs. Those are as well included in this by mentioning ish-ish. Of course, Tosafot wonders. In general, we have a derasha, the Gemara makes this derasha, Masechet Bava Kaman Tetvav, and elsewhere, that the Torah in the context of mitzvot lo ta'aseh mentions ish o isha which means to say we have a general principle when it comes to prohibitions in the Torah that both men and women are equal. They're both part of these prohibitions. As a result, would you really think that over here this is going to be different? Says Tosafot, but over here it says Ish. And as a result, you might imagine and believe that it's specific to men. Again, in general, you wouldn't have such a thought. Over here where the Pasuk mentions males, maybe I'd say it's specifically male. 
Says Tosafot, that's why the Pasuk repeats it and says ish ish to tell you this is not specific to male. We see it almost as a mi'uta har mi'ut lerabot. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a mention of, so to speak, only men, and then only men, we understand that as being inclusive instead. Uh, says Judah, which is a million dollar question to which. There's a struggle and a debate, but I don't have a great answer. Why mention it at all? Why have any mention of Ishish? Why not just mention the halacha? Uh, maybe we'll be able to tease out something as we go along in the Gemara, but no simple answer to that, at least in my mind. So again, it says the Gemara, the Beraita, Tamud Omar, Ish, Ish, Lerabot, but a woman, Tum Tum, Vadroginos. Then the Pasuk continues. Ashe Yekalel et Aviv ve'et Imo. Pasuk says if the, the person were to go ahead, again, not only the male, but the person were to go ahead and curse their father and their mother. Now, if we're reading this overly literally, and maybe we should be, so it means that you cursed both of your parents. And keep in mind as well, the Mishnah told us this is not just talking about cursing four-letter words. This is using God's name in the curse. That should be... What's that? That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? In the Ela Aviv Vimo. Says the Beraita, it sounds like it's specifically and only, again, the Isur and certainly the punishment of its mother and the father at once. Aviv Shelo Imo, what if you curse just your father and not your mother? Imo Shelo Aviv, just your mother and not your father. Minayin, how do I know to include them as well? Tamud Lamar, Aviv Vimo Kilel Damav Bo. That's the end of the Pasuk. Explains the Beraita, and we'll explain it further in a moment. Aviv Kilel, Imo Kilel, Divrer Biyoshia. So it reads as follows, and this is the way Rashi explains this statement of Biyoshia. If you turn to the Pasuk for a moment together with me, Ki ish ish kalel et aviv ve'et imo. There's mention in the initial statement in the Pasuk, the prohibition or the circumstance, if the cursing is to aviv, the father, Imo, the mother, first mentioned is father. End of the Pasuk says, Aviv imo kilel. It means the kilala, the cursing is appended, is mentioned next to, not the father, but the mother. Aviv, the father, imo and the mother, kilel. We have a redundancy in the Pasuk of sorts. But in addition, we have something that changed. Whereas the beginning of the Pasuk talked about kilala, the cursing and first mentioning the father. The end of the Pasuk has cursing and it's appended, it's connected to mother. Says the Dirashah for Biyoshiasis. That's coming to tell you that both individually you're liable for. You're prohibited and liable for both if it's a kilala to the father specifically and only, as well as to the father, the mother specifically and only. What's that? But it doesn't say that, right? It doesn't, and as a result, you have to understand the vav as not what we call a vav ha-chibur, but a vav ha-mechalek. There's a vav there, and that's the derasha that is, so to speak, helping us understand that. That's the derasha here of Rabbi Yoshia. It continues the Beraitan. It says, Rabbi Yonatan, Omer Rabbi Yonatan, agrees in principle with the law that Rabbi Yoshia taught. Rabbi Yoshia again taught that if it's either your mother or your father, the curse is level two, you're liable and it's prohibited. But he says, you don't need such a dirasha. Your fancy dirasha mentions the kilala twice, first time with the, connected to the father, second time to the mother. You don't need to go that far. It says, Mashma shenehem ke'ehad, Here's how it goes. When the Torah will mention two beings or people together, 
it, um, we have to understand it. If I tell you a story about two people, or I tell you a law about two people, and I mention them in tandem, you can and should interpret it both as if it's done together, or alternatively, if it's done separately. If it mentions aviv there's no reason to say that it has to be mother and father. It could be mother or father, father or mother, or mother and father together, unless the pasuk says the word yahdav. Pasuk says yahtav, together, that's what tells you it needs to really be together as one. Again, the derashah of Rabbi goes much easier. He says when you read in the Torah mention of two people in the same pasuk, it's not talking about doing it specifically. That shouldn't be your first thought to both of them. That should be to either or, unless it uses the word yahtav. Rashi says we have a paradigm for this. Rashi's paradigm for this, he says, is from the pasuk of Harisha Bekil'ayim. If you have a shore, an axe, and a hamor, a donkey, and you plow with them. The Torah says you should not be horesh with a shore, the hamor, yahdav, together. So as Rashi, hold up a second. If we didn't have the word yahdav in the pasuk, and it just said, lo tahrosh, shore, the hamor, chalas, you would have said you're not allowed to plow with oxen in the field? On their own. You're not allowed to plow with uh, donkeys on their own. Of course you would have said you're allowed to plow with them. It's only because the Pasuk says Yahdav that we understand. Excuse me. It, well, I, I messed it up over here. The fact that the Pasuk says Yahdav makes it clear to us that it's when they're together. I thought the Pasuk could have not mentioned Yahdav. It could have just said Lo shor vehamor, chalas, And I would know it means together. That's wrong, says Rashi. Clearly the Torah is telling you the word Yahdav to tell you if I had hadn't mentioned yachtav together, you would have thought that you're not allowed to plow with an ox for some strange reason, not allowed to plow with a donkey for some strange reason. The fact that the Torah in that context gives us the counter, the contrast over here where it mentions together when clearly it's together. It's telling you if I don't mention the word together, you have to understand it individually. That's our case. Ish, and mention of aviv, ve'imo, separate, whether the curse is just to the father or just at the mother, it's a hiyub. Wait a second, how do I know when it means in tandem? The Torah will use the word yahtav in such a circumstance. That's the mahloket. To a certain extent, it doesn't amount to that much al pihalacha. Later on, on Dafpehe, the Gemara will challenge, well, what about Rabbi Onatan? How does he understand that redundancy? Remember, that's what we pointed out. The Pasuk starts with cursing your father and mother and ends with cursing your mother or father. So Rabbi Oshia says, I'll tell you why we needed that in the Pasuk, to tell you whether it's just your father or just your mother. That much I understood. But Rabbi Onatan, you say, hey, no, Sarich, you didn't need that. He said, we understood it. So then why does Pasuk mention it twice? Gemara later on, Adaf Pehe will suggest that the reason it mentions it twice is to tell you even if the cursing takes place after death. So the Pasuk isn't redundant. It starts off by mentioning in life, ends off mentioning even after death. There's, if this is this sort of curse, there's still the liability, still the prohibition. Okay, that's Gemara, that's the Beraita, the second law we learned over here. Again, but either male or female. And secondly, what was the next derasha? Either father or mother, or of course father and mother as one, liability. Then the end of the Pasuk, or toward the end of the Pasuk, says, Mot yumat, you shall surely get put to death. What sort of death penalty? We know already, we learned on Dafnun Gima on the Mishnah, it means by sekilah, by stoning. Who told you? The Torah just says, Mot yumat. As a matter of fact, we generally, as the Gemara told us earlier, assume that that's mitat chenek, when it just tells you Mot yumat. You need some sort of way of showing me, or maybe saif, according to one opinion, but you need some way of showing me that it's referring to the highest, according to the majority opinion, highest level of death penalty, and that's sekilah. Mot yumat, says the Beraita, biskilah.
It's with uh, being stoned. Who said? All it says is in this cryptic, uh, vague fashion, sure, you get put to death. Who said it means sekila? Maybe it's Maybe it's another one of the death penalties. Neemar answers the Gemara, it's a gezera shava. Neemar kan damavbo. Pasuk over here says, his blood is upon him. Sounds like a poetic flourish. You're not only being put to death, but your blood is upon you. You're liable for this. You were guilty for this. And we have a similar identical wording where it says, That pasuk is in the context of those sorcerers, those witchcraft people. Now the pasuk over there, and I'm reading from that one first, also in this week's parasha, Motyumatu, so far so good, but cryptic and vague. Ba'aven yirgemu otam, excuse me, ba'aven yirgemu otam. Pasuk says explicitly in the context of oviyadoni, after it says motyumatu, it says they shall be put to death by stone. And then the last words in the Pasuk are demehem bam. So if I'm reading the Torah as I should, as one homogenous document, as one text which is supposed to be read all together. And what's better is it's in the same Pedic, in the same chapter. I have one place where it says, I have another place where it says, And I have by the second one, it tells me, and it's by stoning. So that means everything seems identical. I'm comparing A to B. They look the same. They feel the same. They smell the same. I don't know one detail about B, but I know it about A. I'm going to apply it accordingly. That's the dirashah here in the Gemara. The same way over there by Oviyedoni, the Torah says explicitly, they're going to be stoned uh, as their penalty. Afkan, so too over here, by Kililat Avivimo, cursing the mother and father, mother or father, Biskila. That's the statement in the Beraita, and that much was clear. That's our third point in the Beraita to make a dirashah from Pesukim in order to derive that the death penalty, which we know is there, although it's never explicitly stated what type, is mitat sekila. We learned it gezerah shava from Oviyedoni, but the Gemara continues. Gemara says what we've seen it do many times in this Perik and elsewhere, but certainly many times in this Perik. It says, listen, the Torah then is explicit in one circumstance, that for cursing your mother and or father, you get put to death by sekilah. That I get. But any time the Torah has a punishment, it has to have a warning issued either separately or in tandem. Always. In onshim elayim ken mazhirim. There are many halachic ramifications. The most basic one is it can't be. You must interpret it differently if you can't find it in azharan. That's the principle. It has to be in the not not when I punish, not when the betin punishes, when the Torah tells you the punishment, you must find in the Torah as well an azhara. And usually it's very simple and straightforward. Other times the Gemara's had to search far and wide in order to locate where's the azhara. So I have an onish. The pasuk says if you were to curse your father or mother, you get put to death. Onish, we call that a punishment. What about azhara? What about warning? Does the Torah ever issue a warning even in a vague, indirect fashion? Can we find such such a thing? Says the Gemara. Isn't there another pasuk for cursing your father and mother? Which one? You have different kilala. You have vavivimo and mishpatim. We're going to go to mishpatim right now. You have vavivimo over there. Elohim lo taor v'nasi be'amecha. That's a mishpatim. 
That's where we're going. Help me with it, please. Oneshama'anu as haraminayin, says the Gemara, we found the punishment. Do we have a warning that's issued? Summer Tamud Lomar, that perhaps is referred to indirectly and by our extraction in the following Pasuk in Parashat Mishpatim. Elohim lotikalel, venasi be'amecha lotaor. Those are the words in the Pasuk. Let me translate them first, and then we'll explain what we're doing with them. Elohim lo the Gemara later on will make clear for us it's a little complicated, but right now we're going to keep it simple. Elohim, we're going to say, and I say it on purpose like that, not Elohim, is referring to Dayan, a judge. The Torah in many places refers to judges as Elohim, explicitly. Elohim lo the judges in your midst, you're not allowed to curse them. And the king, and the, the higher stature individual, furthermore, you're not allowed to curse either. You're not allowed to curse either. All right, well, that has nothing to do with your father. There's no reference to your mother. Yes. But it's, a, it's an onesh as well. Apparently not. Apparently not. That's what seems to be emerging. Otherwise, the Gemara needs to give such an answer. Where's that? In Perek Kafbet as well? Perek Chaf Aleph, Pasuk 17. Chaf Aleph Yod Apparently, what seems to be emerging from the Gemara then, Tadi, is you need an actual Azhara. Keep, keep in mind, this Pasuk that they're citing has no mention of Onish. Which is, uh, I hear you, which raises the eyebrows. And I was, why not? Why can't you have a, a two separate issuings? And uh, all right, apparently not. Apparently that's, that's the approach to the matter. But uh, you, ra- you raise something real. All right, says the Gemarat. So this Pasuk, what does this Pasuk have to do with your parents? Uh, well, I understand, says the Biraita initially. If your father's a judge, all right, I understand. You're not allowed to curse your father. That's the Azarat. Great. If your father is a prince or a king, so that's also your father. You're not allowed to curse because he's nasi He's a member of your nation who's high stature. All right, but what about inolo dayan? If your father's not a judge. And he's not a king, he's not a prince, Minayan. How do you know then that you're prohibited, again, without, apparently, specifically without mention of punishment, Daddy? How do you know that there's a azhara for such a circumstance against doing so? Amarta, says the Gemara, says the Biraita, I'm going to make a dirasha. Now, this is important, very brief introduction to the type of dirasha we're going to mention over here. I think everyone in the room is already familiar with these words. We've even seen them once or twice in the Gemara, but it always bears mentioning, remembering exactly what this is. We have in the 13 Midot Torah Nidreshet of Rabbi Ishmael, that sometimes is a binyanav. Binyanav works as follows. There's a concept in the Torah that is mentioned, and we now want to understand from that concept, as a father, a binyanav, we want to build from that father laws to other situations. So in other words, all the people who come to this class are, happens to be, doesn't need to be, as far as I know, men. I talk about a new member of the class to my wife at night, I say, you know, there was someone new who came today. She can and perhaps should, she knows the history of the Gemara class, of the course of what I've been teaching. It's always a male. She says, it must be a new man, and she assumes that. 
for good reason. We do that in the Torah. If there's a law over here and there's a law over there and they have no reason to argue differently, I logically deduce from A to B as, going to, as a result. I mean, I can furthermore, I could say, you know, that everyone who comes to the, the class, and again, it's not that Binyanavs always hold up. You have a reason to say differently. As I could say, um, uh, I say uh, five years ago, everyone who came to the class lived east of Ocean Avenue. So my wife will say, all right, so now the class must be everyone lives west of Ocean Parkway. It's not true. There's people who come from, from east of uh, Ocean Avenue. So, so, so how do you explain? Oh, there's an explanation to that. Maybe they followed. Maybe in other words, in each one, but that's what a binyanav is now. That's step one. Step two is binyanav mishenekitubim, which means to say I can and perhaps should make a claim that you can't derive from one case to the other because this one case has something particular about it. And in turn, I'm not able to say that I know A about this case, I should therefore derive it to another case because maybe that case is more severe because I, after all, know about it, something else. And that's why this law applies to it. Well, let's, before we even read in the Gemara, give an example of such. Nasi, the Torah says, the, the king. I'll say the reason you're not allowed to do it to the king is you're not allowed to rebel against the king. That's why you're not allowed to curse him. You're going to say, well, if you can't curse the king, you can't curse your father. Who's that? If you rebel against the king, you get put to death. If you don't listen to your father once or twice, not a good thing, but you don't get put to death. So that's what the Gemara is going to do. So now let's look at another case where you won't have the same severity, where the same law applies. And you understand what that's going to be. That's going to be the Dayan, the judge. Well, the judge, if you rebel against the judge and you defy their word, you don't get put to death. Whereas with the king, you, don't, you do get put to death. However, the Gemara says you can't just have the judge because if the judge has an instruction, has a law, and you don't listen to it, it's in Parashat Shofetim, in Sefer Devarim Perek Yodzayim, then you do get put to death. Each one of those individually have a severity. I look at the judge and I say, of course he can't curse. Oh, look, if he makes a decree, you have to listen to it if it's a serious one. And I say, and the king, of course, you can't defy him because if you rebel against him, you get put to death. However, neither one of them shares the property of the other one. So, so to speak, I say the severity of each of them gets crossed out. The reason I can't curse the king is not the same reason I can't curse the judge. And the reason I can't curse the judge is not the same reason I can't curse the king. That's what we call binyanav mishenekitubim. I'm using two cases to derive from them a law. So I say, well, the father, well, the father's not like the king, but neither is the judge. But the father's not like the judge, but neither is the king. That's what I call binyanav mishenekitubim. That's what the Gemara is going to attempt to do right now, to derive a law from two circumstances, to use them as our fathers and derive the child, so to speak. So it says the Gemara, here's how we're going to go. Amarta. I'll, I'll make the following claim. Again, building a father turning these cases into our father-like paradigms, Mishinehem, that's binyanav mishineh ketubim, lo re'in nisi kere'i dayan, re'in milashon ra'aya, the proof from the king is not the same as the proof from the judge. Each one of them certainly have a severity, 
and as a result, I wouldn't be able to say, if I can't curse a judge, I can't curse a father. That's true, but you should know the judge's severity is not the same as the king's severity. And I can, the king's severity is not the same. And explains the Gemara. On the one hand, the Dayan has a severity. It's what we call a Humrah, which is above and beyond the, the king. You are commanded to fulfill, if there's a Hora'at Be'din, you're commanded to do so. If there's a sivui, if there's a hora'a, a halachic one from the king, you're not uh, commanded with uh, any penalty not listening to. On the other hand, the uh, nasi, the king, has a certain severity, and you'd say, oh, that's why you can't curse him. Hamra'ato means rebellion against him. All right, so that being the case, I have a whole mix over here. I'm trying to figure out, I found two cases in the Torah where you're not allowed to curse. What is the common denominator? Well, I don't know. You're just not allowed to curse them. Hasata shabeshbahen What is the sadha shaveh? What do they hold in common? That they are Ba'amecha. Pasuk says they are part of your nation, meaning they fulfill the laws, they're part of the laws of the Torah. And number two, you can't curse them. Afani avi. So too, I'll include, says the Gemara, avicha. Shebe'amecha v'atamusar al-kilelato. I'll claim if your father is observant, if father is a part of this nation with regards to acceptance of its laws and statutes, then he too is forbidden for you to curse him. That's what we call a binyanav mishine ketubim. The Gemara has set forth a logical deduction you know, 10th grade math would love this sort of thing. You've taken two cases, and you're, as a result, comparing, at least when I was in 10th grade, is what we did this sort of stuff. That's binyana mishnei We said that we crossed out the, the, uh, the peculiar attributes of each one of them, and in turn rendered a law, says the Gemara, but they're still different than the father. You still can't derive from those two to the father because they hold an attribute which is different than the father. How is different than the father? So ultimately speaking, why is it that the judge and the king, you're not allowed to curse them? Their stature. Father might be an important guy. It's not his stature which is now standing above you. Stature, I mean, highest of stature. King, judge, oh, those are the people that I, That's why you can't curse them. You can't derive from that to the Father. So what the Gemara is going to do now is to include a third. We don't mention this in a Bishmael's Midocha Torah Nidresh Upahim. Here we're about to have a Binyanav Mi Shelosha Ketubim. And that's, that'll be the last one. We're going to have a third case where the Torah says explicitly, you may not curse. Uh, so that being the case, if I have a third one and it's not an important high-stature individual, I'll say that clearly the reason you weren't allowed to curse the judge and the king is not because of their stature. What's the proof? Because there's another case explicitly in the Torah where they don't have that high stature and you're still not allowed to curse them. Those three together, each one of them will cross out the severity of the other, the peculiarity of the other, and will render, you can't curse your father. What's the case? Talmud Lomar, lo tekalel, Heresh. The Torah says you're not allowed to curse a deaf person. Deaf people, certainly once upon a time, and even today, the standard deaf person, you're not going to say it's a high stature person. And certainly back then, 
the deaf person was anything but. It was the lowest of stature. Already, even in the times of the hachamim, those are the ones who were exempt from mitzvot. We assumed they didn't have the same education, they didn't have the same cognitive capabilities. If the Torah says he can't even curse the heresh, well, put that on the same line as can't, can't curse a judge, can't curse a king, can't curse a deaf person. Put those all together. What is it that they hold in common? It's not their high stature. It's not that you can't rebel against them. It's not that you need to listen to them at all costs. So what is it? It's that they're members of Am Yisrael that have some sort of relationship to you. And as a result, you're not allowed to curse them. Important question. When we finish the sugya, I will deal with it. I, it's not going to be today. Tosafot deals with this. The Rishonim asked this question at the end. And the answer is, you aren't. Okay, so then why are we talking about father? Give it... All right, give it, I, I would say, 20 minutes, but, you know, give it a day. Anyway, it says, says the Dirashat in the Gemara, it's even the lowest of stature, the lowest in terms of that totem pole of social status. They're also, you're not, they too as well, you're the Hiresh, you're not allowed to curse. And so that's the suggestion of the Gemara. The Gemara says, but wait a second, the deaf person, the reason you're not allowed to curse them is for an altogether different reason. Wait a second, the reason the deaf person, you're not allowed to curse them, perhaps, I can make the claim logically is, and I'm uh, filling this in with Rashi's interpretation, is specifically because of their lowly status. They're very fragile. They're already having a difficult life. Their self-esteem, their cognitive ability, their well, their well with all, their, their, uh, their, their ability to, to maintain a regular life is not all there. They are struggling with that. That's why you're not allowed to curse them. Um, and as a result, you can't just learn from Hirish to the father. The father doesn't have such a disability, says the Gemara. I'll bounce that back at the judge and the king, and I'll place all three next to one another, and therefore set forth for you the following claim. None of these shares a, a similar attribute with regards to why I would attribute the prohibition, the isur of cursing, with the other. And as a result, what is my common denominator? that you're not allowed to curse them. If you're not allowed to curse them, then it stands to reason at the very least, Charlie, you're not allowed to curse the father. You're right. What about your friend? What about yourself? And so forth. Again, when we finish, you'll see the Tosafot, the top of Amud Bet, will address that briefly and we'll talk about it a little bit longer. So it says the Gemara, Nasiv Dayan Yochihu, Male Nasiv Dayan, Shikeng Gdulatan Garmalahen, Heresh Yochiach. And so if either way you slice it, you're going to make the claim that those high stature individuals, because of their high stature, can't be because the Heresh also, you're not allowed to curse. Maybe the Heresh is because of their low stature, can't be because the Dayan and the Nasi are also not allowed to curse. And the logic therefore returns, which means this proof is not similar to that proof, and that proof is not similar to this proof. What is the common denominator? The members of your nation with regards to Shemirat HaMitzvot. I will therefore include as well. And you too, therefore, the claim is, are nizhar, are warned on the cursing of your father. Says the Gemara, one last try at knocking this down. But they're all strange. Now, we don't say that in a bad way, we don't say it in a derogatory, derogative way, but we do say they're unique. The king, the judge, the Heresh, they're just not the run-of-the-mill people. The Torah says about the non-run-of-the-mill people, either because of high stature or low stature, you're not allowed to curse them. Your father? 
father's run-of-the-mill guy. He's neither a Nasi or a Dayan, nor a Hiresh. Who said you're not allowed to curse him? The Torah is a sensitivity. When they're high stature, you put a dent in it and it kills the nation. When it's low stature, you put a dent in it and it kills them. Your father, he's not one of those. That's, that's the question here of the Gemara in attacking this. Now it's not to say because of severities, as Rashi points out, it'll get a little too, little too complicated to develop that, but that's the claim of the Gemara. We're puncturing this Sad HaShaveh, this Binyana Mishelosheh Ketubim, by claiming there's still something peculiar and specific about that peculiarity, and therefore you can't apply it to the Father. So it's, it's about vulnerability? It's about vulnerability, my words, it, I mean, your words, re, uh, you know, uh, reformulating what I'm saying. You call it vulnerability either on a national scale because of the high stature or to the individual uh, in the low stature. Are they? With sure. regards to. You put, you put your life into your children to raise them and then they turn around and curse you. You feel more betrayed than anything. Because of the, because the, of the specific the relation of child to parent. The ch- the, much it, it, because of the relationship, you say, sure. because of the relationship and the investment. It's an investment, it's an investment in your children. Right, uh, uh, understood. You open yourself understood. And, and the best I will answer is I don't have a great answer, but Rashi already pointed out this, this knock is not, it's not a strong knock, it's to make its way to the next stage. Words, this knock is, listen, uh, this is not really a knock. Uh, they're, all tra- diff, they're all unique, I'm using that word. But, Everything's unique. He points out your father, not only are your parents unique with regards to your relationship, the Gemara Masechet Kiddushin says, Hishvaha Katuv Kevodam and Moraam to Kavod and Moraham Makom, your honor and your fear and all of them needs to be like that of God. Obviously, you're telling me that's not severe. You're telling me that's not vulnerable in the existential sense, that my parents are like God in that respect. You can't make that claim. Says Rashi, but it's a Pircha Koldehu, says Rashi, but we're knocking it, which effectively he's saying is, to just flesh out the final point over here. What, yeah, go ahead. Is there ever a distinction between cursing a parent that's young or an older parent? No. Age you, has nothing to do with nothing it. Nothing to do with that. And you would want there to be because of the vulnerability, because of the investment, but alternatively, um, I'm so young and I'm still not confident, I can make the claim there, but there isn't. Okay. So that's the, yeah. You know, the case is that if you curse a judge or this, then you must Absolutely. It's all warnings in terms of punishment. We don't know punishment right now. We know punishment by cursing your parents. We know punishment by cursing mm-hmm. Kadosh Baruch Hu. But we have the azhara. We're making a binyana that there's a azhara, that there's a warning. Just lastly, says the Gemara. Okay, well, we'll pick up on this in the Gemara tomorrow. But the Gemara, therefore, concludes it by saying the following. I'll say it to you in five, ten seconds over here. Says the Gemara, ultimately speaking, we're going to keep such a derasha by understanding that the Torah didn't need to reiterate this three times. So I understand there are specific cases, but really what's the difference, ultimately speaking, between the Dayan and the Nasi? They're both important individuals. You could have mentioned just one as saying high-level importance, call it national vulnerability, and low-level of Hedesh. Why didn't you need to say Dayan, Nasi, and Hedesh? The fact that you needed three as opposed to two, one high, one low, tells me there's something more there. That's what the Gemara's claim will be to ultimately capping this and putting it together for Avivimo. Baruch Amen v'amen.